0: Good evening, and welcome to another episode of So Here's the Thing. I am sitting here with my very special guest, Daniel Carter, who, um, among other things, is a uh, post-Mormon. I think that's what the term is. Uh, Daniel, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, Daniel grew up in uh, the Mormon faith, and after 32 years, um, has left the church not too long ago. Um, So in the first episode, we talk about... um, quite a few things, including what Mormonism is, um, how he was raised in it, and now we're going to go into a bit more of the details of the start of Mormonism, the rise and fall of Joseph Smith, and uh, Daniel's continued journey um, in and out of Mormonism. Thank you, Daniel, for joining us. So I'm writing down a couple of notes. Thank you for not letting me interrupt you. Okay. <laughs> it's important because I'm trying to do better. All right. I wrote down a couple of notes. Um First, I want you to talk about there's, a, there's, a, there's an idea outside of um, Mormonism or people who didn't grow up in this particular religion or in most religions. Like, how did this start? If Catholicism has been around for however long it's been around, right? right? Mm-hmm. And Judaism has been around for however long it's been around. <clears throat> Like, what makes you all think that you are, you're coming up on the 1800s? Like, that's less than 200 years ago. Where I get, yeah. to, at this point, like, more than 200 years ago, but not, like, not that far long ago. Like, where did you all come from? I guess that's the first question. Yeah. So,
1: I, having been a missionary, I've got lots of answers to all this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'll give you a very, sp- in a nutshell version of what a missionary would tell you in this scenario, because this is the exact question any missionary would sure. wish to ask. i <laughs> sure. Would want yep. someone yeah, to yeah. ask them. Yeah. Um, but basically. Not you all, by the way, you're no. not at it, but yes. 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 <laughs> so for a missionary, what, what, what a missionary would talk about is as we see in the Bible, there were prophets. Prophets were led by God to teach his people to lead and guide them and to teach them what, um, his gospel is and give them to baptize them, to lead them and guide them. So this happened all the way up to Christ. Christ himself was a prophet, but not only that, was the Son of God. And Christ, when he came to church came to earth, established his church. He called twelve apostles. He he set it up, gave over keys and power, authority to Peter, to James, to John, to all of these apostles. Upon Christ's death, he was resurrected, came back and said, Peter, go forth, you you have the keys, run my church, basically. Like, you're a prophet. So Peter grabs those keys, Peter becomes the prophet and runs the church of Christ. It is established on the earth. So the Mormons claim, so Catholics claim that, There is uh, uh, an unending line of the passage of authority from Peter all the way to the present Pope. Mm -hmm. Mormons claim that that is untrue. Mormons claim that with those apostles, that authority vanished from the earth because they were all killed and that they didn't pass it on to anybody. And so what happened is, is in the 1800s, in the 1820s, then Joseph Smith went to... Um, Joseph Smith 14 year old boy he was in Palmyra New York he was searching for what was truth he wanted to understand what um, he wanted to understand what church was God's church and so he read James 1:5 that said if ye lack wisdom let him, if a man if ye lack wisdom let him ask of God and he took that to heart, went into a forest near his house, which we call the sacred grove. And he, in New York. In New York. Okay. And he knelt down and he prayed to God. And what happened is, is that um, God and Jesus both appeared to him and he talked with them. And they told him that, that Christ's church is not on the earth. And so Joseph should join none of them, but that they were going to restore the church through Joseph Smith at a later date and that he needed to prepare for that and continue forward with that. So that's what the Mormons call the first vision. And that's a huge thing. There are songs about it, poems about it. There are- Is it like a holy movies place? About it. The, the sacred Grove. Yeah, when I was- <coughs> When I was a teenager, I was part of a choir, and we actually went on a -a two-and-a-half-week tour where we drove all the way from Utah out to New York and back and hit all the historical Mormon sites along the way and sang at tons of congregations Mm. and, like, different ward buildings, and we hit all the major Mormon sites,
0: including the Sacred Grove. So I assume that was probably the first stop, right? The first stop is the, the grove. And then well, it goes we drove from, from Utah all the way oh, I see. back. Okay. So we hit
1: things along the way, both, both okay. directions, but yeah, that's,
0: so he's in Palmyra. He's He gets this vision. Uh, the Lord says, Hey, I'm giving it to you now, go build the church. And he says, I mean, yeah, he says, I'm going to restore this through you. And so Joseph Smith
1: says, wonderful. He's a 14 year old boy at this sure. point. Um, so he goes back, he tells his father what has happened and his family and they support him. So then As the years go on, he is visited by an angel named Moroni, which is from the Book of Mormon, which I'm getting to. But he is visited and told, hey, there is um, an ancient record in the hill near your house, um, and you need to go dig it up so that you can translate it and be able to bring the word of God to people. So he goes to this hill, he digs it up, and lo and behold, there are golden plates, and these golden plates um, are what later become the Book of Mormon. But he, uh, after several attempts at taking it out, which is not an important detail of the story, but he ends up getting the golden plates um, in his early 20s. And then through the power of God, translates them. I can go into a whole thing on that. If you watch the South Park episode about Joseph Smith, Okay. they're actually... On like okay. what like him looking into a hat with a seer stone and everything for the translation. Okay, it's all correct. Right. Okay. So they did a good job with their homework. Um. So he translates this golden book after several attempts. Plate. By the way, um. Well, that was getting it from right. The, but from I the mean, ground, yeah, but, yeah, okay. Yes, but okay. he he brings it back. He now has ownership of it, and he supposedly translates it. Has a scribe write everything down and thus comes about the Book of Mormon. And then the plates are taken back by the angel, and only a very select few people uh, saw the plates and thus give testament to that, which is stuck into the front of the Book of Mormon. Now, we can argue about if that's true or not, but— What is the Book of Mormon? So, the Book of Mormon is um, an ancient record— so this is what it is claimed to be, is an ancient record of people in the Americas. What it claims is, is that uh, that a, a prophet named Lehi was in Jerusalem, and he came to have a, a vision from God showing that it was going to, to be destroyed, that there was going to be great turmoil and everything, and that him and his family needed to get out of there. So they did. They got um, they got their own Bible, like biblical scripture. Took it with them, and they skedaddled out of there. And they ended up building these big old ships. Um, what year
0: was this? Or uh, how, I
1: six uh, hundred BC. Okay, so around yeah, six hundred okay. BC. Okay, um, and his son Nephi, which is what the first books are named after, uh, he he is comes to be a prophet as well. He's the good son. There are bad sons and all sorts of things, but they build ships and they go across the sea and end up in the Americas. Now, where in the Americas is anyone's right. guess. Right. From me growing up, it was North America with all the historical stuff going on. They're like, ah, oh, maybe it was South America. But then it's like, but there's all this. It's yeah. a mess. Okay. Anyway, but so comes across to the Americas and thus, and then him. The ne- he establishes a group called the Nephites. His wicked brothers establish a group called the Lamanites. Mm. And they end up populating a huge area, which when I was growing up, we were told were the Native Americans. That these were the descendants of Jews from Jerusalem that came over and— The Native Americans were. That was what I was taught growing up. Uh, who, that has now been recanted.
0: Uh, who did the Lamanites go with?
1: Well, so the Lamanites, they were from the same family. Oh, okay. So they so both went they all through came with, with American, uh, yes. Native Americans. Yes. Okay. okay. So there's this whole thing with all that. But, <clears throat> the so the Book of Mormon is the writing of the prophets from this people on the Americas and all of the different things that happened throughout it. Mm. And then in the end, in um, around, like in the 300 AD area, then a prophet named Moroni. um, Well, his father, actually, Mormon, which is who the book is called after the Book of Mormon, he ends up taking all of these records that have been collected from all these prophets, and he compiles a book, which is the Book of Mormon, binds it together, and then hands it off to his son Moroni, gets killed in battle, and then his son Moroni ends up isolating himself, writes a few last chapters in it, and then... um, ends up burying it in what we call the Hill Cumorah, which is the hill that is by Joseph Smith's house, which
0: is So how did the, how is. did the writings become golden plates?
1: So that's what they wrote on. Oh, okay. that's what Morm- Mormon, when he compiled it all, he used golden plates so that they would not, so that they wouldn't disappear. The writings wouldn't disappear. And he etched them onto the golden plates. So, so that's the book of Mormon. And then Joseph Smith established the church um, he, so why the not the of book of America
0: or what what's his name? What's Moroni,
1: Moroni, um, because it actually says in the book this, and thus this shall be called the book of Mormon. And so oh, they called it the book. Well, of that's Mormon. somewhat selfish, but
0: okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess he wrote it, but, uh, okay. but so that is, so
1: thus became the book of Mormon and thus Joseph <sighs> Smith established the church. Um, and So had, he
0: started in Palmyra. He started He started church? in New York, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We're, Very we're, small yeah.
1: group and then slowly built it from there, just talking to people, sending out missionaries, giving out Book of Mormons, and it just grew from there and mm. became an established church to the point where they ended up moving along because it kept getting kicked out of places because they were getting big and <sighs> other reasons. I'm going with so for anyone who knows Mormon history or is post-Mormon and has looked into the histories, I am going with a very traditional Mormon perspective on this. And I'm giving that. If in our conversation we end up going further in and I start talking about the other side of it all, then we can do that. But I right. just want people to know, like, yes, I understand all the controversies that sure. are surrounding these. and. Sure the falsehoods and all sorts of things, but I'm giving the traditional Mormon.
0: So two things, well, three things. One, um, I'll put them in order. um Actually, not in order. We'll, you'll figure it out. You're good. <laughs> um, one, I want you to tell us about how Joseph got from Palmyra, abbreviated, to Utah. That's number one. Number two, I want you to tell us about the light because you told told me in a separate conversation yeah. about the light, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then number three, we'll get to dispelling some of the myths, including black mark of Cain, etc. That not even myths, but like some things that Mormons believe that either have been recant- recanted, like this Native American thing, or that some people from the outside are like, oh my god, like they it's not like we like I have I had never heard about the Marco Cain or that Mormons thought this, but like some people were like some somebody has said to me, Oh, you're gonna interview or you're gonna talk with your friend who's a Mormon They don't even believe in black people. Like as if they don't, they don't be- even believe in black <laughs> they people. They don't even believe in them. Though. And I was like, what wait, what, is what it? mean? <laughs> <laughs> like the unicorns or something <laughs> what the <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, uh, okay, oh, that's funny. So, anyway, anyway, um, finish the story about Joseph coming, getting to, uh, (laughs) uh, getting from, uh, uh, New York to, uh, Utah, and then we'll go into the other stuff. One other thing, let me say this very quickly. Um, in my episode with Charmaine and her and, and her as Jehovah's Witness, she talked about. Um, uh Bethel New York or maybe New Bethel I have to I have to go back to go back to it being Bethel New York being the holy place where all of like the um the governing body if i'm not mistaken they all live there like they're all associated oh. in this Bethel New York place and i was like what is it about New York that makes this like some holy place well, it was a huge place of, uh, during like their, the Enlightenment mm. era. Mm. I mean, so, it anyway. was a huge thing. Uh, when I heard that, I was like, New York? Oh, yeah, wow, that's okay. where he was. Interesting. Okay. So. so, first
1: myth to dispel, Joseph Smith never got to Utah.
0: Oh, okay. okay. So, he only got
1: as far as Nauvoo, uh, Nauvoo, Illinois. Okay. So, along the way, Mormons definitely made their enemies. There was, uh, even in Missouri, then... There was uh, an order by General Boggs put down that um, you could you could shoot a Mormon on sight, Ugh. and that was actually not recanted until ni- in the 1970s, Christ. where they were like, "Oh crap, this is still on the books. Oh, uh, we should God. probably get episode. rid of that. That's that's not that's not good anymore." Um, but yeah, like they had a lot of enemies along the way, and so Joseph Smith. When they got to Nauvoo, they actually established a really strong community. That was uh, where they built the second temple. They've, their first temple was in Kirtland, Ohio, and then the second one was in Na- Nauvoo, Illinois, that the saints gave a ton—oh, we call it—so Mormons call themselves saints. Oh. Like, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, yes. thus
0: the saints. So, Latter-day Saints means? Latter-day Saints means a Mormon.
1: Right, but oh, why Latter-day uh, Saints? So Latter-day meaning of the c- contemporary, so of today. So uh, so there were saints in the past, such as Peter, Paul, and all of the, the members of the church back then. <clears throat> and so this is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Contemporary Saints, okay. so of current members, basically. Okay. okay. So Joseph Smith was in Nauvoo— I will give you the the Mormon history version of this. Uh, But he was hunted down and was given false charges, uh, had false charges placed against him. He went to Carthage jail where, or Liberty jail first, where. This is where? In New York? Missouri? This is in Missouri. Okay. Uh, Illinois, Missouri time frame. And so he was put in uh, Liberty jail where. He sat for a long time, was eventually pulled out, and then he ended up getting arrested again and put in Carthage jail where um, he was martyred, where he was killed by a mob. Mm. Along with his brother Hiram and all sorts of stuff. So the martyrdom of Joseph Smith happened in Carthage jail. From there, uh, there was a huge debacle on who should be the next prophet. He didn't have any children. He had uh, he definitely had children. Okay. I mean he had over thirty wives. Jesus. So, <laughs> so that's we'll do we get really to want to, yeah, I'm we'll like, do you get want to believe me? Yeah. 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 We'll, that's a whole thing. Um he had children. Yes. Okay. Uh and so it was actually one of his children and Brigham Young, who were kind of raised up. So there wasn't a structure for, oh crap, who gets it? Right. Um so Brigham Young and one of the Smith kids ended up like having a debate and whatnot and like talked with lots of people. And there were probably other contenders, but they were the primary two. And the story goes that within one of these large debates, um, then the Smith boy was up there and he spoke spoke eloquently, was great, sat down. And then when Brigham Young stood up, then it was as if the voice of Joseph was coming forth from him. And many saw the visage of Joseph upon him as he was speaking. And it was confirmed to the congregation that this man, Brigham Young was to be the next prophet of God.
0: So the congregation voted him in.
1: Kind of a thing. Yeah. It was, it was popular vote at that point because Um, there was no system. Okay. And so Brigham Young became the next prophet. Um, after that, it was set up to where, I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure when this was purposely put in, but today it is whoever has been an apostle the longest becomes mm. the next prophet mm. when the prophet dies. So that was set up somewhere along the, the apostles. So apostles, when an apostle dies, or a prophet dies, in other words, when there's a vacancy, right. then the apostles gather together, they pray over, they uh, deliberate, and then they choose... You will be the next apostle, Mm. and that is typically from the quorum of the seventy, someone who has been around a while. But technically,
0: it could be any male. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Oh, any man, first of all. Oh yeah, no women. Right. Right. Well, that's the first thing. No women. (laughs) And it's not like if I mean you're at the second to the second below the prophet, right? You got the prophet, got the the twelve apostles, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to choose. um, what's the people who were in the congregation um ward member yeah you're not going to you're you're not going to choose a ward right you're going to choose somebody who is from a ward, me- a ward member yeah, yeah a ward is the congregation oh
1: well. yes, but yes yeah you're not going to just choose someone from now you're going to choose someone who has had a leadership position and has been with the church for a long time and that shows themselves to be a very stalwart like
0: focused member of the church so second question um and this is related when i, I, I not to cut you off um, there's an idea that historically taking religion outside of it right that sometimes when when um, a person establishes establishes a following mm-hmm. whatever the following is um, <clears throat> and they gain more and more power that the people who are in power decide oh no I don't like that and let me bring up false charges let me like get an angry mob to kill them, whatever it was. Yes. So it wasn't like the martyrdom of Joseph Smith had or maybe, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. If it, it was it perceived as this was supposed to happen because of the um uh, the mob was an angry religious mob that was, like, super uh, non-Mormon? Or was it like, oh, the governmental people who were like, oh, he's taking too many of our taxpayers away. Like, what was the sense of why the why the, why they killed him? You know, so, you know, something,
1: something is- yes. So I'll give you two versions, because <clears throat> I think that at this point it is very important. The Mormon version of this story that I was taught my whole life and that is still generally taught is that Joseph Smith... <laughs> had created such a stir because of the huge groups of people he was bringing, which was shifting votes, which was creating dominance within communities and whatnot, that mobs were springing up that were unhappy about this and were trying to get rid of them. And so they were going after Joseph. And so it was this form of mob that was trying to get rid of Mormons um, so that they didn't take over their whole areas and whatnot that went and killed Joseph Smith. But the other side of it is that Joseph Smith um, was causing great problems in the area. There was a press that wrote a whole thing about him, denouncing him, and like talking about his polygamy and kind of exposing that in different ways. Joseph Smith had that press destroyed. He had people go in and actually, I mean, he he destroyed someone else's property. He So not only was he in exposed polygamous relationships, which were very frowned upon, if not illegal by that point in America, but he was also destroying other people's property, exercising dominion where he should not be. And so they had plenty of things to pull him into jail and to charge him with and to go after him with. And when... And the Mormon story typically goes that when he was in Carthage jail, that he went as a lamb to the slaughter and that he was killed as he was against the window and calling out, my Lord, my God. And he was shot and he fell from the window and was dead at the feet of the men. But the other story is, no, he actually had a gun. He was fighting back. He was standing his ground, and he was also part of the Masonic order, and he was calling out, trying to get any Masons that were in the group to have to help him because of him calling upon their their camaraderie.
0: And what their does loyalty. that mean? That he was part of the Masonic
1: order? Um, he joined the Masonic order as a member. Many. Oh yes, yeah. I, that's something I probably won't go into so much sure, sure, because sure, sure. the ties for that are into temple things, and I even though i don't personally believe in those things anymore i still respect i still respect their nature for mormons but if you want to understand i mean the, i'm sure it's the, the yeah. tie between masonry and mormonism then it's it's between the temple and and masonry and a lot of that came through joseph smith and him being a mason and actually rising very high in the masonic order and along with many other church leaders.
0: So, we'll pause. Well, we'll, we'll shift a bit um, because you've given us quite a bit of information. Mm-hmm. At least some of us can look it up. Um, um, but we do have to move on.
1: Yeah, which is fine.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: I have so much information. Right, there's, there's I, <laughs> I could
0: go on for days. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about what people think of when they think of Mormons, right? And... Yay, nay, kind of so and so forth. We'll we'll go that. Okay. Mormons have, well, let me say it differently. All Mormons practice polygamy.
1: <laughs>
0: um, false. Okay, but some do. Okay. Um, I assume there are different uh, so um, parts of Mormonism, like there, like there are regular Jewish people, and then there's Orthodox Jews, and then there's etc. So, so when so. I
1: say that there is practice of polygamy. I don't mean it in the sense that probably everyone thinks of it. Okay. Um, so there are branches off of Mormonism, such mm-hmm. as the FLDS. I mean, when you think of Jeff Warrens, he was not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He was part of an offshoot group. Um, if you don't know who Jeff Warrens is, look him up on on Google. Yeah. Texas guy, huge polygamist
0: issue. And, and and just say what FLDS stands for. I know who he is. Um, fundamentalist. So that's a fundamentalist LDS. FL, fundamentalist Latter day Saints. Yeah. Basically. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, but there are also other groups, mm-hmm. uh, and plenty of them, that definitely still practice polygamy very much in the physical sense of the word, that have multiple wives, have lots of children, and they most of them just live away from every everyone and mm-hmm. just kind of live in their own thing. For Mormons, the actual LDS church, um, there was a declaration put out in the 1900s, early 1900s, that said we no longer practice polygamy. Um, this was primarily because their, the law was coming down on them and it was getting really bad. The Mm -hmm. Mormons claim is because God came along and said, oh, it's time to stop practicing. It was political. (laughs) But um, within that, Mormons still believe in spiritual polygamy. So, for example, um, if I was to marry a woman and she was to die, so when I marry her, I would get married in the temple, so I'd get sealed to her. And then I could get married to another woman and be sealed to her in the next after life. After she died. Yes, in the next life, both of those women would be my wife.
0: Okay.
1: In heaven. And and if there were more women, like if I married more and was sealed to but more, But only
0: after she died,
1: right? Um in I'm t- yes, in the okay. way that it is practiced okay. today. Okay. Then I would thus be within a polygamous relationship and in the next life all those children <laughs> and all those women would be mine. Right. As Daniel, as the man. But the flip side of it is that women can't do the opposite. Right. Women cannot have more than one husband within Mormon polygamy. That is not a thing. So for men, then, then that sort of spiritual polygamy is very much still a thing. So even the prophet, President Nelson, he had a wife, she died, and he married another one. And so he is... Very much so practicing polygamy. Same with Dallin H. Oaks, who is the first counselor in the in the, the presidency in with the prophet. So that's considered polygamy. That is very much considered spiritual polygamy because it is completely believed that those women are tied to you and that they are both your, your wives for eternity.
0: So Yes. Can you get divorced? You can um, and then you can marry somebody else. And then is that, poly- I guess it's still spiritual polygamy, right? So, okay, so that's where we get
1: into a lot of kind of the public policy side of those things. Because for a man, so say I was married to a woman, and we were sealed together, and then we got divorced. Well, even if we got divorced, like, within a lawful way, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that our sealing has been nullified. Mm. That could still very right. much exist. Right. And so... It's very possible that as a man, sure, I could get sealed to another woman and it would be fine. That's not a problem. Um, and so thus, yeah, I could be practicing polygamy even if my former wife doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Right. She's technically still sealed to me, and and
0: that is, the, the is there any way to dissolve so the sealage? Is there any way to dissolve? the So yes, okay.
1: they can be nullified. Um, usually, it's it's a pretty hefty process to make it happen, Okay. and um, it has to be something that both parties want most of the time. Mm, okay, Both the man and the woman have to say yes to.
0: I assume that often happens. I mean, in uh, outside of it, outside of the Mormon faith, most people who, well, I mean, I've never been divorced, but people who divorce, they say, listen, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Fine, I don't want to. And then they just sort of agree. Like, it's maybe... I would say more often than not, maybe 60%, 40%, that people agree, no, we shouldn't be together anymore, and they dissolve everything. Right.
1: Um, so that doesn't always happen, because one, it can be a pain, but also for the man, he has no reason to, to really care. He's like, because for him, not only does he still have power over the woman in that sense. Sure. Um but it adds to his glory in the in the coming days, sort of a thing. So it depends on oh, how that's that
0: person approaches it. So how does having but, more than one spiritual wife add to his glory? Uh,
1: we're we're going to go way down a rabbit hole. Okay. With, with well, well, I mean, I don't know. Basically, <laughs> if you want to look deeper into that, look at what was happening during the time of Brigham Young, the things that he was teaching about polygamy, because it, and if you even go to Doctrine and Covenants, I think it's section one thirty four. Uh, um, you better quote it. It's that, or it's one twenty eight. It's one of those two sections. And then it talks a lot about the new and everlasting covenant of marriage, which is polygamy, and it talks about how this is, in a sense, the higher law. It is what the gods. Like practice. like And so that is a point of doctrine that is debated, mm. but it is something that is definitely still taught, especially culturally, that, that the more that you have attached to you, the greater your reach, the greater your joy can be. I mean, it goes back to how many souls you can bring to God mm. amplifies the joy that you and those people receive. So it's a it's a really murky thing, and I could spend a whole podcast session just talking about the issues that come from this, especially for women.
0: So one of the things that you talked about already was um, a lot of people think of Mormons as having, as, as um, what am I trying to say? Being an polygamist. As, poly as, as, be, as they're all polygamist, right? <laughs> they're all yeah. polygamists. Um, but, and I think one of the things that I said in the first part of the podcast, or much earlier, is that... <clears throat> Mormons don't believe in black people.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> <You're> so funny. <laughs> like, what
0: the crap I, does that even mean? <laughs> I have heard that many times. So tell <sighs> us about, um, I, I, I asked earlier about were there black Mormons, and you said yes, and there are Mormons <laughs> of many faiths all around the world. But you also talked about the Mark of Cain. So tell us about that and how that relates to um, Mormon culture, Mormon society, etc. Okay, so
1: I would be a terrible uh, post-Mormon if I did not talk about uh, the priesthood, which is the power of God that only men hold within the church to have the authority to do things and to exercise the power of God, um, how it was withheld from blacks
0: um, in the early days of the church. That that the early days of the church, meaning starting with Joseph, or so e- after. Interestingly
1: enough, yep. not with Joseph, but with Brigham Young. Oh, interesting. Okay, yes. So okay. <clears throat> Joseph didn't actually seem to have a problem with black people. Um, uh, to maybe to some extent, but for the most part, he was a very charismatic, open, loving man, and wanted to give his love to everyone. So there were black members of the church who received the Melchizedek priesthood and even temple ordinances in those early days of the church when Joseph Smith was still kicking around <clears throat> then Mormons went across to Utah established themselves Brigham Young took them there and during that time from
0: Missouri or Indiana from Missouri okay from Illinois Illinois Missouri yeah from Brigham
1: Young was there um, he came to Declare as revelation and doctrine of the church that um, that black members of the church were not to have the priesthood nor to have any of the temple ordinances because they were of the lineage of Cain because they were marked and
0: he tell us who Cain is them. for those of us who are not okay so I, I know f- who Cain is but for definitely. those who are not Christian. <laughs>
1: Um, in the in Genesis the first book of the Old Testament then we receive the story of Adam and Eve and that they leave the garden they come out into the world and they are the first parents of everyone and a few of their first children are Cain and Abel. Abel being uh, and so Abel was the good kid Cain was the bad kid uh, Abel was loved of God Cain uh, had a harder time with all of it and Cain ended up, killing Abel. Because of this, he was cursed. And he said, this is more than I can bear. People are going to kill me. And God said, then I will mark you. And he marked him. And what is said is that that marking was of black skin. And thus, um, Cain was marked as were all of his descendants and that that is where black people came from. So that and that is reinforced in, in, in a few places within the Book of Mormon as well, mm. where it talks about the mark on their skin and them becoming dark rather than fair as they as they were before, and that it, it there's several reinforcements of dark skin being the mark of Cain or
0: being as um, being away from God. So does that with that just to clarify, is it was it people of color? Or black people, right? So was it like Latino people, like Hispanic people, well, so Asian people, et cetera?
1: If we're talking, oh, you're talking about contemporary? Yes.
0: Um, or I guess both.
1: Yeah, I mean, if so if we're looking back at Brigham Young time, <clears throat> they actually would have you bring in your ancestry tree. Mm. And if you had any one of African descent within your tree, then you were denied the priesthood, and temple
0: ordinances. But you can still be a Mormon, but you just can't be a priest.
1: Yes. Okay. So happily take your tithing money and happily let you be baptized, but you cannot hold leadership. You cannot have the priesthood as a man, which is the thing, and you cannot receive temple ordinances, nor be sealed, nor any of these blessings, because
0: you're black. Uh, When you say be sealed, that means you can't marry anyone. You
1: cannot marry in the Mormon temple. Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, well, which means you can not I mean, marry anyone, right? I mean, I mean,
1: you could get married. I mean, I guess. Uh, or, civilly. You right. could be married civilly. But in the Mormons, so for Mormons, one of their big things is if you're married just civilly, you're married for time. Mm. If you're married in a Mormon temple, you're married for time and all eternity. Mm. So that comes back to that eternal perspective sure, that sure. we were talking about. Okay. But yeah, um, it just while I'm thinking about it, if you want to dive deeper into this subject, especially, um, if you go and look up the, um, black LDS pioneer legacy conferences, they have actually been held two years in a row now here in the DC area. And all of these types of conversations are, are dived into very, very deeply. Um, by black members of the church, and they talk about it, and they work through it, and the, well, the right. That's is the, all that's it, the so next
0: question is like, I mean, you're not black, but like, no. listen, this guy told us that we can't have any leadership. This is Brigham, right? Yeah, can't have any leadership, can't have any priesthood, can't do all these things. Why am I even gonna associate with? Oh, there were hardly any women. There were what? hardly any. I mean, right. the, they had slaves.
1: Mm, Utah mm. was a slave state surprise right <laughs> a lot of people know that um, but they so they had they had slaves there and stuff so I mean there were black folk mm-hmm. and yeah they were part of the community so that was that's another huge thing if we want to go into it sometime is community is a huge part of religion mm. especially Very when so. you are unique mm. especially when when you tout people um, uh, speaking against you, as a badge of honor yes. because you're taking one for God. Yes, yes. So I mean those kind of things are are big. But so coming back to to racial things though, so yeah, for years, for decades, then really there were not a whole lot of black people in the church. So or anyone with African descent of any sort.
0: So was that as accepted as, well, I'm a man and I've got all the power and women are just, was that as accepted? Fairly, yeah. There was, it was a very white church mm. for a very
1: long time. I mean, they did go, they were preaching in Europe, they were preaching in Hawaii. I mean, they were they were spreading their, their roots out and setting missionaries out and whatnot, but it was not a thing. And so it wasn't until the 70s, and in the 70s, I believe it was 78, if I remember right. Yeah, 1978. That, um, I, oh, crap, I'm gonna get it. I think it's Spencer, uh, Spencer W. Kimball. I'm gonna go with Spencer W. Kimball, prophet. Uh, it's either him or David O. McKay, but I think it's Spencer W. Kimball. You're he, talking very fast. I know, I'm sorry. It's because I'm like, I don't remember which one
0: it is. Oh, um,
1: <laughs> but so one of the prophets in 78 <clears throat> finally said, guess what? God has come along and said that the ban on blacks and the priesthood is lifted. And they're just like everyone else now. That happened in 78.
0: That was a huge thing. And so how did that affect, like, again, I go back to, I'm looking at it from an outsider's point of view. Like, listen, you all have downed us this whole time. For for decades, yeah, you think I'm gonna come back now just because somebody changed their mind? What kind of people are you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if, if I'm a if i if I'm a member of the black community, I am a member of the black. You very much are. And a and, and a missionary came to me and were like, "Hey, you know," and let's say it's the '80s or even the '90s. Oh. I know you heard that you know black people couldn't couldn't be priests or couldn't be you know couldn't be sealed, but we we've done away with that. I'd be like, so how do yeah. I know that they would usually not tell
1: people that? But, you usually wouldn't learn about that till after you're baptized.
0: Oh, okay. But well, I guess that was even if the you internet. had.
1: Yeah. Okay. Even if you had. So this comes back to missionary work, and this is this is a really big thing, um, because. When you talk with someone who has strong conviction, I mean, there's a lot of power in faith and conviction mm-hmm. when someone is talking with you in those places. And, and a lot of different emotions can be brought up, a lot of different things. For Mormons, what they would claim is the Holy Ghost is going to speak to your heart and tell you that these things are true, that Joseph Smith brought God's church back to the earth. This is where the truth is, this is where happiness is, and this is where God wants you. Despite there being some of these hiccups along the way, this is the place of truth and where we have a prophet and where it's all wonderful. And so if you take this Book of Mormon, read it, pray about it, ask God if it's true, seek for it to see if it's true, All of that pulled together, that's a powerful marketing technique right there. It's like that can sway the hearts of many. And you
0: like So do so we'll we'll get into this probably near the end of the podcast. Um do you think that um part of being a Mormon or -hmm. part of the indoctrination of being a Mormon is cultivating and or uh, sort of growing pods of people who are marketers or sellers. That's, we'll come back to that. But yeah. that's the idea that I'm trying to get to, right? So I'm looking at you, we're sitting on this podcast, you're looking me right in my face, you have a very intense sort of face about you, your eyes are very piercing. And so I can see how somebody who was Sort of on the fence about something, might be like, Oh, well, let me lean in closer and let me figure that out. You know what I'm saying? And what I was doing right there was intentional. I Mm -hmm. was giving you a
1: portion of what that is.
0: Yeah. So we'll come back to that. All right. Um, uh, Mormons believe that they'll get their own planet. Kinda. Okay. Let's talk about it. Talk about (laughs) it.
1: I mean, Mormons believe that so this comes around to Mormons believe that they will be their own that they will become like god mm-hmm. that they literally will become gods that they will create their own planets their own universes their own they will be creators and that they will send down spiritual children and that they will continue the cycle that our heavenly father that god is that god is doing right now with us i do want to note though that particular thing not talked about while you're being taught the missionary Ugh. lessons and stuff. Like you, That's usually a deeper doctrine that comes along later on after you've been baptized and been in the church for a bit. Okay. It's not usually something that people market with.
0: So one of the things, and I wanted to circle back to baptism for just a second, Um you know, as I've been doing these podcasts and talking even offline with with a lot of folks, a lot uh, about their religions or their backgrounds or whatever it is, um, sometimes it's a decision and sometimes it is assumed. So in Charmaine's case, she was uh, born into a Jehovah's Witness family, but it, when it at, there was a point where she had to make a decision and, and I think she's 12 or however old she is that would have to go back. She like she's they ask her, "Hey, do you want to be baptized?" you know, and I think that that's the same in 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 some other religions where, oh, maybe you're baptized as a baby, you know they they sprinkle the water or whatever it mm-hmm. is, but then you don't really become baptized baptized until you're of age and you have some sense of, okay, what am I really getting myself into so are there are there two i guess you you did sort of touch on this there there are two different types of baptism or like not types but i, I don't know it, it so just, ways of
1: entering the yes. mormon community yeah one is yeah being ba- um being when you're born then you have a baby blessing and that puts you onto the the records of the church right as here you are you're in this family and this family goes to church um but you are not considered necessarily an actual member until so you're on the records but you're not necessarily a member until you are baptized which can only happen at the year at the age of 8 or after. Mm, okay. If you have to be 8 years old. Which is very debatable if that's really a decision at that point. For sure. most people it's everyone else is doing it. I'm going to do it
0: too. Right. If Let's talk about quickly about um indoctrination and being so inside the faith. In some religions um, including um I think um that Charmaine touched on this a bit um crimes that are committed including rape and that are committed within the faith stay within the faith they're not reported they're not like you know yeah. it it's not like a we don't talk about it we just oh this person raped this other person and then there's a whole two witness thing go back to episode three of the podcast I think and you'll and you'll hear that but talk talk a little bit about how mormons um Uh, deal with crimes within their own community i mean it's it's similar Uh, Mm.
1: that was part of that podcast resonated with me because of that because yeah if someone does something bad no matter what it is Mm. they're supposed to go to their bishop right they're supposed to talk to them and counsel with them and confess their sins and work with the bishop on repentance and on repentance. On repenting, okay. yes, and changing and forgiveness and all of that good stuff. And it is not encouraged to go to the authorities. It is not encouraged to do any of that. And if the bishop has any questions, there's actually a hotline that they can call that sends them straight to the um, the lawyers that the church has, mm. um, and they give them instructions and uh, help them along with that. There's not a, a hotline for members. It's only for the bishops. Mm. But it's it's something that with the internet being a thing now has become more and more exposed. <coughs> Excuse me. You're good. <clears throat> are all of these issues of um, sexual harassment or sexual abuse or... Um,
0: let's say you're you're so you're a you're a, mem- or so you're a board member right uh-huh. and you find out that um i mean i can't imagine who who who's above boards um stake hmm? stake oh the stake right. stake president right. right so so the stake president has been embezzling
1: mhm
0: right which is not like a like a, a it's not a person to person crime but it is it's a crime right yes yeah, so if that was no if that was found out within the
1: church organization yeah. itself most likely But not necessarily. The stake president would be released from his calling, meaning he would have to step down. But then he would just work with his bishop on... Right. ...on repenting from that sin. It would... I would not assume that it would be reported to authorities.
0: Because then it gets in the press, and then there's a stain against the Mormon church. Uh, Yes. Okay.
1: Very Scientology-esque in that that kind
0: of regard. But, like,
1: it's... um, So if the, say that, yeah, that some teenager um, raped a girl, then if that was brought to the bishop, it probably would never find its way to the police. It would be, well, sometimes boys are boys and they have a hard time, like, taking care of these things. And, oh, I mean, this isn't good, but we've got to work on forgiving and forgetting and working through this. Like,
0: Is it worse for, stuff. and uh, let me let me ask this, and I'm trying not to dwell too much on this topic because we have a lot to talk about. Is it, so in that instance, you talked very much about, um, I guess in the cu- last couple instances, we talked about males committing crimes, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So you, you got a, a teenage male raping a female, Right. You got the um, what is it? What do you call this? The, the state president, who's a man, probably right, is yes, is, is a man. A man. Um, embezzling. What happens if it? Like, is it? Is it? I. I mean, I can't imagine. But is it like if a woman cre- cre- uh, commits a crime, whatever the crime is, is she re- reported to the audi- uh, to the authorities more readily? No, she, it's also. It's all kept. It would all
1: be kept pretty. <sighs> much in there unless there was like threat to life, okay. which is a very sure <clears throat> hip law sort of a thing. But if there was that sort of thing more so, yeah, that's going to be reported. But outside of that, so much yeah. is just taken care of within the confines of that. And according to Mormon culture and Mormon perspective, which is super, super damaging being in this church for 31 years and going all the way through it as a young single adult, like all the way through my 20s and sure. everything, I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with especially my female friends about just how, how messed up they became during their childhood because something happened to them. They went to their bishop to try to work it through. And instead, it was taught to them to just force it down and put a cap on it and keep so very much and like Charmaine's
0: it. experience. Yes, it um, very much. In some in ways, ways better, or some ways worse. In her inst- in, in the instance she was talking about, it was this whole two witness thing. Well, two witnesses had to have seen it for it to have happened.
1: Yeah, that's not that's used in other contexts, right. but not for something. Oh, like this. oh,
0: okay. Um, but it's similar in that way, and it's like all kept within. And yeah, but even if people are like,
1: um, definitely a man would be believed much more readily than a woman would be for
0: sure. Mm. Um, and she also talked about very quickly about, um, her experience going into the church and being pregnant. Right. And now everybody's looking at her like, and and she's not married. Right. So everybody's looking at her like, Oh, that's the unmarried whore. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like,
1: well, sex out of marriage. So yeah, here's one of (laughs) the craziest Things taught in the church is that is that adultery or fornication, so sex outside of marital bonds, sure. is the sin next to murder.
0: Was mm. that? And wait a minute. So you all are going out teaching this as missionaries that this oh is the yeah. thing. And I
1: believe this wholeheartedly until like a couple, like a few years ago.
0: And people in 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 a in, in other countries are believing this. Like, oh, well, what have I been doing? Like, oh my God!
1: Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Totally.
0: Oh wow. Okay. Good. Keep going.
1: Yeah, and, and but like, can you imagine? Right. Listen, how I, like the whole context I surrounding chastity and sexuality within the church is one of the things that like I I, I have the hardest time with because. I know the damage it did to me mm. and that I've had to work through mm. and to so many of all of my peers. And I mean, we have this whole group of people coming into their 30s that are virgins because they've been taught that, that sexuality and connecting with people in intimate spaces like that is bad unless you're married. Right. And if that's not going to mess you up personally with your personal self-image, your personal connecting with people, always second guessing and asking yourself where's the boundaries? And then especially for women being told that they're the ones that are really supposed to set the boundaries cuz men just can't hold themselves back and so they've got to help them out and
0: like they're that must be more di- super difficult. And that it's super evil. Because Mm. it's next to murder. It must be super difficult outside of it. Because inside of the Mormon faith, it's easier because I'm a virgin, you're a virgin, we're both virgins. Yes. Right? And it's okay. like we understand that there's this shared understanding of, well, this is what the tenants say. So... Uh, it' kind of sucks, and I feel you know my hormones or whatever it is, and I'm feeling kind of some kind of way. Right. But, but this we're is in the what same the pact. right. We're on the same. We we have this shared understanding. Yes. Outside of it, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I cannot imagine. So that, like, just jumping
1: forward, just for a hot second. Sure. That was one of the things that was so difficult for me when leaving is being like, man. I'm gonna start. Dating outside of Mormonism. And I'm a 31-year-old virgin. Now a 32-year-old virgin. Mm. How does that even work into dating? Because I'm assuming pretty much everyone that I am going to be dating has had sex multiple times. Mm. And I'm going to <laughs> be coming... multiple times.
0: <laughs> many, many, many times. I mean, I'm going to be dating 30-plus-year-olds.
1: Yes. yes. And so it's like. I'm going to be coming into this and being like totally new and just being like, "So, this is my experience." Is that too weird? Like, and I and for me, like, it made me feel so inadequate. I've I've had some really good experiences and conversations since then within that dating sphere, sure. which has helped immensely. Sure. But man, oh man, so. that is that was one of the hardest.
0: Ooh. Okay, so you've given us a lot of information, and I don't even, I almost don't want to stop it at this point because um, there's a lot to talk about, and we have a lot to um, sort of unpack from there. And again, thank you for sharing this part of yourself with me and with uh, the listening audience. Um, We're right at the uh, two hour mark at this point, so I should probably just wrap up. And, um, thank our listeners for listening again to uh, this second part of Daniel's episode. This has been another episode of So Here's the Thing and uh, we'll pick back up soon. Thank you and good night.